It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the Sports Rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all times. Here we go with the hump day edition of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rupp along with Adam Lundy. And, of course, you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Adam and I having a great conversation about the generational divide between the two of us as I'm talking about pay phones. Adam only knows that pay phones used to exist at airports. We had, we had pay phones everywhere, man, at school, at corners, on, on the street. I mean, everywhere you went, you had a payphone nearby. The gas station? The gas station had a payphone. Everybody had a payphone. They were out in the, the corner. <laughs> now, sometimes you didn't have the full phone booth, although when I was a kid, there were still plenty of those around. But, uh, you know, and so you probably never got the experience of having your parents always giving you a dime in the morning, making sure you had a dime in your pocket. So if anything happened... You had a dime to make a call. No, no. no. Now, parents just make sure. You, they got your phone. Is it charged? <laughs> no. When I was a kid, it was, do you have a dime? That I'm was. Just, I'm trying to think how I would have reached my parents in between because I didn't have a cell phone for a good portion of my early school days, but <laughs> I guess we just would have used a landline. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to you'd have to find a you have to phone a friend or ask a friend for the phone. Uh, busy show coming up today, as you'd expect on the night after the Purdue Boilermakers whip the Indiana Pacers or Pacers Indiana Hoosiers. <laughs> yeah. We've got Pacers on our mind today because this afternoon the Indiana Pacers made a blockbuster deal to get Pascal Siakam, uh, All Star defender, big time scorer, and he joins the Indiana Pacers. And the Pacers didn't have to give up much. In fact, Bruce Brown, we barely even got to know you. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, he was uh, a guy that the Pacers just acquired in the off season from Denver, and he is the well, really the the main piece in this trade. Uh, you've got Jordan Nora who's going to uh, Toronto along with three draft picks, first-round draft picks. I don't think the picks are that big because I think the key was give picks in place of players because you do have some young talent with this team, with Nemhard, uh, with uh, Jarris Walker, and I just don't think you wanted to give away players that you know what they're capable of doing versus the unknown, which would be a low first-round draft pick or bottom half of the first-round draft pick non-lottery and so i think uh it works out well for the pacers and uh i know everybody around the pacers <clears throat> is pretty excited about it getting uh pascal siakam we're going to talk to scott agnes from the Fieldhouse files about this coming up in our number two but uh no i definitely think it fills a big void for the pacers and i think that void 
has become more more apparent to Kevin Pritchard. He had started working on this deal in the summer, then kind of stepped aside on it. And I guess talks started heating up once again. And it's not like the Pacers ever dropped the idea. But things got serious over the last couple of weeks. And over the last couple of days, it started to look like a deal was imminent. And the Pacers were able to finalize and make it official today. Once again, Bruce Brown and Jordan Wara and three first-round draft picks are given up by the Pacers in return. They get Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. Uh, didn't get OG. Which would, If you only had one, which one would you rather have? Mm, kind of depends on team need, but, I mean, Pascal's the overall better player. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of them would have filled a void for the Pacers. Absolutely. But uh, Siakam is going to be joining the Pacers. They're still on the road out west. And we'll talk to uh, Scott coming up around 520 this afternoon. Also coming up this hour, we do talk to, to the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, Rob Blackman. He's going to be joining us to talk about the victory over the Indiana Hoosiers, the atmosphere at Assembly Hall last night. And the dominance of Zach Eady. That's coming up with Rob Blackman about 30 minutes from now. I'll tell you what. Last night, Woodson flops, Indiana drops an 87-66 game to Purdue. That's my headline. This was not a good showing for Mike Woodson. If the two coaches were playing each other, the game would have been worse than the 21-point margin that the players played to last night. I mean, this game got out of reach while the players that Woodson needed on the floor to keep it from doing so were sitting on the bench with two fouls. Not three, but two. Now, that's common practice. You pull a player out with two fouls. You see how the game goes. You watch the flow of the game, but you certainly don't want to put yourself in a position. But by the time you put them out there, <clears throat> they can't do anything to win the game. And uh, that's basically what Mike Woodson did. His management of the roster, his in-game decisions, they are head-scratching this year. Head-scratching. I mean, the, the, the move of putting almost an all-backup lineup on the court with the game in hand or the game uh, still up for grabs, I should say, the other night, uh, that was inexcusable. Then, you know, putting, uh, putting Khalil Ware and Mackenzie Mbako on the bench, two fouls, two guys that you really need, especially in this matchup. And Mackenzie Mbako came out on absolute fire to start that game for Indiana. He was the one guy that came out like I thought Indiana would play for the first 30, 35 minutes. Then I thought they would just kind of burn out trying to match up with the physicality of Purdue. And I thought the emotion eventually will wear itself out. And down the stretch, the better team will win. This game wasn't close by the end of the first half. Purdue went to the locker room with a 51-29 to advantage. And that's all on Mike Woodson. Hey, you got your guy, Indiana. Because he bleeds Hoosier crimson blood. But sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. Because so far, the roster construction is a failure. The player development 
I don't know. Nobody really comes to play, so it's hard to tell if they're getting better. And the in-game management isn't very good. And you know why a lot of that is is because Mike Woodson doesn't want assistance telling him what he should and shouldn't do. He knows best. He's the head coach. You know, he had an assistant coach that wanted to tell him what he needed to do, and he fired him, sent him packing. His name was Dane Fife, the only one that stood up to him. So what happens now with the assistants that still are there? Nobody's going to challenge him on his decisions. Somebody should have been in his ear when you get down to seven or eight minutes left and you're down double digits and things uh, as far as matchups don't look to be in your favor. Someone needs to tell him, hey, we've got to put him in offensive and defensive exchanges. We've got to have Ware and Mbako on the floor at some point, at least one of them, if not both. But you just can't let Purdue continually, methodically pull away in this game. Now, Indiana was able to get a couple of buckets that, you know, took games that were, what, 14, 15 points, got it down to nine. Then it got back up to, you know, 17 or 18 points, got it down to like 12 or 14. But it, but Purdue was just methodically extending that lead and extending that lead while Khalil Ware and Mackenzie Mbako got cold sitting on the bench. No reason for it. Two fouls, sure, you want to save them. You don't want them to have three early fouls. Why? Because then you have to sit them. Oh, well, if you're going to sit them with two fouls, who cares if they have three? (laughs) Right? I mean, if they're going to sit them, then they might as well go out there and pick up their third. Yeah. I mean, it was just an absolute domination from Purdue offensively last night, and Woodson never had the solution. No. No, he just never had the answer. And I'll tell you what. Uh, this team didn't look like it was prepared, didn't have a game plan, because Purdue did what Purdue does against teams when they're allowed to do what Purdue does best. It's honestly simple for them, <laughs> honestly. I mean, we could tell you, we are fans that watch Purdue basketball, and we can tell you, you've got to get the ball out of Braden Smith's hands. You can't let him dribble and create angles to be able to get the ball to Zach Eady. What did they allow him to do? Dribble, 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 dribble. And eventually, what did he end up with? An assist to Zach Eady. Now, he did take a couple of shots, but that's because nobody's guarding him. He thought, maybe once in a while, I'll shoot this darn thing. (laughs) But they didn't put the pressure on Braden Smith. Uh, The only time I saw real aggressive pressure was when Indiana made that run in the second half. And then they were, you know, all of a sudden energized. All of a sudden, it looked like they were trying to, you know, play defense for a while. And it shouldn't take a run for them to be playing that aggressively. No. No, it was, um, I mean, you know, that first half, it it was Braden Smith being allowed to do what Braden Smith does best. Zach Eady being allowed to do what Zach Eady does best. And Fletcher Lawyer being allowed to do what Fletcher Lawyer does best. Did anybody scout Purdue? I don't know. Apparently not. (laughs) Or did the players just not get the message? I mean, it was awful. If you're an Indiana fan, it isn't even about effort. 
It's about brains. It's about scout. It's about taking something away from the other team. They allowed Zach Eady to get to whatever spot on the floor he wanted to go. And a couple of times they tried. <laughs> Peyton Sparks, God love him. But the only way he was going to guard Edie was with two hands pushing him straight in the back, trying to just push him around. Uh, it was uh, just, and Indiana just not, did not have the answer. And a lot of it is, you, sometimes you can't guard Edie after he gets the ball. It's too late. Especially if you allow him to get the touch near the basket. What you've got to do is if you see Zach Edie getting an advantageous position against his defender, sometimes you got to go double him before he has the ball so he doesn't just get it and dunk on you. Because if you let him have it within four or five feet of the basket, it's game over. And uh, Indiana didn't take that away. And here's the problem with Braden Smith being allowed to drive and probe. And I call it probe because it looks like he's on a mission when he's driving. He dribbles in, can't get up a layup, right? So he dribbles through. But what he does is he's reversing the angle of the ball in relationship to Edie's position. So he's up on top, Edie's posting in the lane. When Smith drives and gets under the basket, now he's gone to the other side of Edie. And what does Edie do really well? He seals off the defender. You try to get out in front of him. When when Smith drives by, Edie seals you behind him. He's got a clear path to the basket. Smith dropped it to him, lobbed it up to the rim, whatever. It's like, what's your uh, flavor right now, Edie? I'll just, you know, let you score however you want to. But it was a total lack of focus, preparation, and it goes all the way through from Mike Woodson all the way down the bench. Not a good night for the Indiana Hoosiers. Um and, I, and I, again, I think a lot of this is that Mike Woodson and his own ego doesn't allow assistants to challenge him and say, we got to do this. We got to do this. Uh, Mike Woodson, even after the game, second-guessed himself in the press conference after the game when he talked to the media. He said, in hindsight, I wish I didn't leave him on the bench that long. Do you think? We were watching it in real time and probably came to that conclusion long before you did. Surely one of your assistants told you. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Your thoughts on last night's game. Whether you're an Indiana fan, whether you're a Purdue fan, let us know your thoughts. Am I right? Am I wrong? Tell me about it. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Let's check what's happening in the world of sports. Time to get today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right, Brett. Thank you. Well, today we mentioned it. The top news of today, the Indiana Pacers have acquired all-star forward Pascal Siakam in a three-team deal that sends Bruce Brown, Jordan Nwora, and three first-round picks to the Toronto Raptors. The New Orleans Pelicans are the third team in the deal, sending Kyra Kira Lewis to the Raptors and a second-round pick to the Pacers. For the second straight year, Cleveland, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Cleveland Browns coach Kevin Stefanski has made a major off-season change to his staff. Offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt has parted ways with the team, leaving just days after Cleveland was blown out in the wildcard round by Houston and following a season in which the Browns were ravaged by injuries. The manufacturer of the helmet that Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes shattered during their AFC wildcard game with Miami says it's, quote, did its job by protecting the league MVP, quote, during a head-to-head impact in unprecedented cold temperatures. 
Extreme conditions like that are bound to test the limits of even the highest performing products, Surter Sports, which made the helmet that Mahomes was wearing, said in a statement today. And some sad news, Golden State assistant coach Dejan Milojevic has passed away. Milojevic, 46 years old, was hospitalized Tuesday in Salt Lake City in critical condition. After a decorated 15-year playing and coaching career, the Serbian native joined the Golden State Warriors staff in 2021. He was a beloved figure in global and league circles. Tonight's game between the Warriors and Jazz has been postponed as a result. How old was he? 46. 46 years old and just dropped uh, with a massive heart attack, apparently. Yeah, at a restaurant. uh, And then announced uh, that he had been, uh, that he is deceased the next day. Uh, really tough, especially on a road trip. I mean, yeah. that, that's, you know, so difficult. But, uh, yeah, our thoughts go out. It's not been a good year for the Golden State Warriors, and this just adds on top of it. Thank you. Those are the top headlines of the day. Still coming up, we talk more about Indiana-Purdue. Also, uh, that Pacers acquisition of Pascal Siakam. Rob Blackman joins us coming up about 15 minutes down the road. You're listening to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We've got you connected on today's... Text line, Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. I know you've got thoughts uh, on last night's game. Of course, I let you know what I thought in the first segment. A couple of uh, replies that we've gotten already. Yeah, somebody said, IU fans are delusional if they think they're making the tournament. Right now, they have a very difficult path. Uh, you know, you can never say never because they are in the Big Ten there will be teams that make runs late, but uh, I, you know, you, what you don't want to have to do is do what the Hoosiers did last night against Purdue: is fall behind by so much that even if you go on your big run and you pick up the momentum of the crowd or whatever it might be, that you are so far behind that it doesn't make a difference. You never become a threat, and you know Purdue was able to, you know, recapture their composure. And then put the game totally away. And that's kind of where the Hoosiers are right now. They've they've given themselves such a small margin of error that they've added so much pressure. And uh, they've got other teams that they've got to jump. I mean, just in their own conference, they've probably got to make up about... And I know where they're at in the standings. This isn't about the standings. This is about the ranking of teams by the NCAA selection committee. They don't care if you finish fourth in the Big Ten, if you're the ninth best Big Ten team, according to the analytics and all. And so, you know, in this situation, Indiana is right now 13th out of the 14 teams in the Big Ten in the analytics. That's a lot they have to make up. And where are they going to make it up? Do you have confidence they're going to win either one of these games, especially now that Wisconsin just went on the road and got beat Wisconsin's going to come home at the Kohl Center where Indiana can't win anyway and be ready to play, right? Absolutely. That's and then you have Illinois. Two tough challenges, and they, we haven't seen that Indiana can even get wins up in Wisconsin recently. No, so. they can't pick up enough energy from the crowd, let alone build that energy internally in yeah. their locker room. On the and, road. Yeah, on the road when it's just them. Another texter texted in, IU has no guard play. Uh, That is an issue for IU, uh, certainly. 
Uh, I, you know, and and a lot of it is offensively and defensively. Uh, they give up too many open looks. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer, he just played a game of horse last night. Man, and you said it yesterday. He had to have a game where he didn't go one of six. Yeah, or... he said he had to have three or four threes, right? Went four for four. Went four for four. Not a bad day. <laughs> Not bad at all. Uh, I didn't expect that kind of shooting, uh, but but I thought the way Indiana was going to defend and overplay uh, down in the post, that it was probably going to give Lawyer an open look or two. He just couldn't waste those possessions. He had. You have to make Indiana pay or any opponent to Purdue. You have to make them pay when they uh, bottle up the inside against Edie. And when Edie does give up the ball. You you have to reward Edie. You have to make the opponent pay. And last night, Fletcher Lawyer did exactly that. Exactly that. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You're not going to read the other one? Oh, the one that said Brett is always right. Thank you. Yeah, you didn't want to read that one, did you? Oh, I had to get that. We just got another one. They said Lance Jones is by far the best transfer painter has ever had. Uh, Well, let's, I don't know. You have to look at the list. Right. And give me some other names because Matt Painter hasn't exactly been a big transfer guy. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Uh, by the way, before we talk about Zach Eady, do have to talk about this. Um, okay, <laughs> if you're going to be a reporter, if you're going to cover, for instance, the Comets, or if you're going to cover the Indianapolis Colts, you know, one thing you want to do is kind of do your homework a little bit ahead of time. And don't make the teacher of the class be the person that you're interviewing uh, a.k.a. the head coach. Yesterday, an embarrassing moment in Tampa. I mean, this this was a journalist who decided they had the question, they were going to lay out the question perfectly, they were going to back it with some facts, and then they were... Uh, the only thing is, they forgot one little detail. Here it is. Coach, you, you. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures you tend to get up to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. <laughs> outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing so he answered the question with like a legitimate answer we only have to be outdoors 20 seconds i think we'll be fine and oh oh my god this big question about the preparation of uh you know the cold weather cities and it's only 13 right now in detroit how is your team going to handle it it's like well we've only got 20 seconds to worry about and i think we'll be just fine that is hilarious (laughs) I mean, I was saying to you, did they oh did they send my. the weather person instead of oh, the sports person? Yeah, yeah, the weather person. You know, we're sending the weather person to go find out how the team is prepping for uh, these frigid conditions they'll face up in Detroit. They're not playing uh, at Comerica. You know, it's like now this 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 ballpark uh, has a roof. It is uh, it it'll be fine. Uh. We'll be okay. It'll be a, a comfortable seventy some degrees. So. The roof will be closed. <laughs> There's no other option. <laughs> Somebody tell Tampa. The roof will be closed. 
so last night, Zach Eady completely dominant in this basketball game. And I don't know who had the scout for Indiana, but they allowed Zach Eady to roam the paint, to get close to the basket. Uh, and you've got to do your work on Eady before the ball gets there. Because if he gets the catch and he's within one step of the basket, the ball's going through, period. Yeah. Uh, when they forced him to make catches a little bit higher and uh, maybe, you know, eight to ten feet from the basket, he had to turn and put the ball on the deck before he could go up with that little hook. Uh, Khalil Ware did, you know, did uh, cause some, um, some uh, interference. He contested a couple shots. But uh, but you cannot let him just have his his way in where he establishes his position. And it was too easy for Zach Eady getting down low to the basket in position where he wanted to make the catch. Uh, and sometimes Purdue threw it to him before he was really established. And so he threw it right back out, reposted closer to the basket, and then got it right back. Purdue did a great job of utilizing Eady last night, attacking Indiana in the paint, and uh, Purdue rolls 87-66, the win over the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Your thoughts, 46862. Also, the big news of the day is that the Pacers have made a deal with Toronto. It's now official. Pascal Siakam is coming from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers. Pacers give up Bruce Brown, Jordan Mora, and three first-round picks. Uh, New Orleans, a third team in the deal. They just had to dump some salary. And uh, that puts Turner, Siakam, Halliburton. And uh, I guess you would add, what, Buddy Heald, Ben Matherin. I'm trying to think of how you would round out the five as far as the first five. But uh, for the Pacers, you know, it could be Toppin. I don't know if you play Toppin and, Toppin and Siakam together. Yeah, right now they're starting five, uh, not counting injuries, of course, to Halliburton. We're looking at Halliburton, Heald, Naismith, Siakam, Turner. Um, could also stick Matherin in there in, instead of Naismith. Yeah, yeah, you could put uh, Matherin in for Naismith, and you could put Siakam in um, for, uh, who's the four man there? Well, Siakam would be the four. Okay, who did you just say? Uh, Tyrese at point guard. Okay. Healed at shooting guard. Okay. Naismith or Matherin at small forward. Pascal Siakam at power forward. Oh, so you've already added him into the starting lineup. Exactly. Okay. He's joining them. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then uh, Turner at center. Miles Turner is the center. Exactly. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We got to take a timeout because we've got the play-by-play voice of the Purdue Boilermakers who called the Boilermakers win over Indiana at Assembly Hall last night. Rob Blackman. He'll join us next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up tonight, we've got Mastodon's basketball as Purdue-Fort Wayne takes on IUPUI. It's Horizon League action starting at 7 o'clock at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. And you can join us for the pregame show starting at 645 right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Last night, you had a chance to listen to the Purdue Boilermakers on the road at Simon Scott Assembly Hall down in Bloomington, and they crush the Indiana Pacers. Indiana, I did it again. See, we're talking too much Pacers today with this Pascal Siakam trade. 
the uh, crushed the Indiana Hoosiers, 87-66. And the guy that was there to call it and presumably never call the Hoosiers the Pacers is Rob Blackman, who joins us right now on the show. Good afternoon, Rob. <laughs> Hi, Brett. Um, I don't know if I've ever made that mistake, but uh, yes, I, I'm like you. I've been I've been following social media pretty uh, aggressively this afternoon, and it seems like all anyone's talking about is that Siakam trade. So I'll give you a free pass on that one, man. That's, that's, <laughs> it's, that's, uh, that's okay. It's just it's the day we're we're talking both Hoosiers and Pacers back and forth today because those are the two top stories. But I do want to focus with you, uh, not on the Siakam trade or the Pacers, but on what happened last night with the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers. Because I thought one of the keys to this game was who could take away what the other team does best. And I don't think Indiana really had a complete answer for what Purdue does best. They were able to execute. They got uh, Braden Smith on the dribble, Zach Eady with the finish, and Fletcher Lawyer from three. And that's a pretty good combination for the Boilermakers. Yeah, typically, uh, typically when Purdue is at its best, those three guys are playing at a high level. Uh, and we saw that last night, despite the fact that Braden did not shoot the ball well at all, 2 of 14 shooting. But you never felt like he wasn't in control of the game, which he was. You know, he played 36 minutes, had, uh, I think it was nine assists and only two turnovers, had like six rebounds, five or six rebounds. But, yeah, even though the fact that Braden didn't shoot the ball well at all, uh, you never felt like uh, he wasn't having a good game because he was simply because of the way he was controlling that offense. So, but let's, I mean, let's cut right to the chase. If you're going to get 33 and 14 from Zach Eady <laughs> and 19 from Fletcher Lawyer, and then on top of that, Lance Jones, who's always, he's been a little bit of the wild card for Purdue this year. When he's playing at a high level, Purdue, quite frankly, is unbeatable. When he has 17 like he did last night, I mean, it's, <laughs> Purdue's going to be tough to beat no matter who the opponent is. Yeah, he plays his role so perfectly. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we had this comment earlier on the text line. And I think, I don't know if he's the most talented transfer, but I can't get a long list in my head of transfers into Purdue. But someone said, Lance Jones, best transfer ever acquired by Matt Painter. But I will say this, he fits the role that the, the Boilermakers needed almost perfectly. Yeah, I don't know that you could have drawn up, yeah, I agree, Brett, a more perfect, uh, uh, even if you went into the lab and could develop what you believe would be the perfect uh, 50-year transfer to fit into this team and what it needed or needs, I don't know that you could have gotten anything better than Lance Jones. And yeah, Purdue's had some good, you know, 50-year guys come along the way. John Octius is one that comes right to mind uh, as a guy that helped Purdue. But man, just everything that Lance brings to the table, and more importantly, has he, how, how, as well as he fits uh, on this team uh, from a personality standpoint, really gives it a little bit of a punch in the arm uh, from a leadership standpoint that Purdue could use. Um, and the other thing, too, athletically, he has uh, far and away uh, made this team much more athletic. We shared a, we shared a stat on the, on the radio last night, Brett, where last year uh, Purdue total fast break points in the season – and I don't remember the exact number, but whatever the total number were for fast break points for Purdue last year for the entire season, Purdue has already surpassed that mark this year. And, and Purdue's only, you know, uh, 17 games into the season. <laughs> so, and a big part of that is because of the Lance Jones effect. He is able to get out and run, very athletic, can finish in, in, uh, in transition. And you saw that a couple of times last night with him doing that in the second half. So, 
that it, it's not often that one player can make that big of a difference in one statistical category, but that's what Lance Jones has meant to this team, which makes it easier for Purdue to score the ball. Um, Purdue's very efficient offensively, uh, second best uh, team in the country when it comes to offensive efficiency. But the reason Purdue's scoring 85 points a game is because that now this year they're also getting easy points in transition. They're not having to always try to get points in half-court offense, which at times bogged Purdue down last year because they always were trying to score in the half-court. Now Lance Jones gives you that ability to get easy runouts and layups and dunks because of his ability to, to run the floor, and it's just made Purdue so much more effective offensively. But again, the original question there, Yes, Lance Jones is, has been the perfect, perfect grad transfer for this team. He, he provided everything that this team needed. I remember two of the points that Lance scored in transition on the fast break. And they started with a dive to the floor by the seven-foot big man, Zach Eady. What does that say about Purdue when with three minutes to go in a game that the Boilers are up, I think 18 points or something like that at that point, that uh, their national player of the year is diving for loose balls? Yeah, you're exactly right. It was actually 17 points with just over three minutes to go, but you're exactly right, Brett. Um, You know, that's why why guys like... like, uh, Zach Eady are the national player of the year because they're willing to make those type of plays. Um, you have to remember now, Zach Eady last year had 33 points and 18 rebounds in Bloomington but lost the game uh, and got court-stormed. And the season prior, Zach Eady, as a sophomore, played well, lost the game, got court-stormed. So this game was really important to Zach Eady and, quite frankly, to that entire senior class, uh, Mason Gillis and Ethan Morton. Because the last two trips down to Bloomington, not only had you lost the game, but you'd gotten court-stormed. So this was a really important game for them on an emotional level just to finally beat these guys in Bloomington. So that's why you see guys like Zach Eady making those kind of effort plays late in the game. It just kind of shows you how much it means to them. But, again, I would say it, if you're going to be the national player of the year, uh, it's probably because you make those type of effort and hustle plays uh, on top of how skilled you are. Um, the great irony, I mentioned this on the postgame show last year, last night Zach Eady went for 33-14, and 14. not even his best game ever in Bloomington. Like I said last year, he went for 33-18. and 18. <laughs> So it's, isn't that crazy to think about? Well, the guy went for 33-14, and 14, but it's the, not the best game he's ever played <laughs> at the Assembly Hall. Actually, last year's game was. Yeah, and- uh, but, yes, to win that game, I mean, that uh, you, could just, you could just tell with that one play right there, how, how much it meant to that senior class to, to finally, finally win in Bloomington. Yeah, now like Matt Painter pointed out that he uh, that he didn't have his best shooting night. He was 11 of 23 from the field, and normally uh, a guy that's shooting that close to the basket ends up a little uh, better than 50%. But here's the number I want to throw out on Zach Eady, because this is where I think his draft stock is changing. 35 minutes and 49 seconds. Could you have imagined a year ago that the Boilers could count on Edie on the floor for about 36 minutes out of a 40-minute game? It's a great question because if you remember back to the start of last season, um, so I'm talking off-season, you know, August, September, all the questions surrounding Zach Edie were, uh, many of the questions were, how can he play multiple minutes now that Travion Williams has graduated? Because if you'll remember, as a sophomore, Zach was playing at about 19 minutes a game, and Travion Williams was playing the rest of the uh, the rest of the time. 
So the big question was, boy, I don't know. You know, he's, he's only played 19 minutes a game as a sophomore. Can he make that, you know, that make that jump from a, uh, from an, not only an athletic standpoint, but just from a, a stamina standpoint where he can play extended minutes? Well, I think with the stat you just gave right there, uh, that has answered that question. <laughs> because not only did he last night, as you mentioned, play the, the 35 minutes, almost 36 minutes, but to me, he never looked tired. He never looked no. winded. No, he's diving uh, for loose balls. Around, yeah, carrying 300 pounds uh, playing those kind of minutes. So that's a great point by you, Brett. Uh, the, the big question concerning Zach going into last year, uh, stamina-wise, that, that question has been all but answered. There's no doubt about that. How surprised were you that Mike Woodson kept Ware and Mbako on the bench throughout that uh, most of that first half? Yeah, especially as that that lead really started to grow. Um, I, I, you know, he I think he brought Ware back right in maybe the last two minutes of the first half, if I remember correctly. But you kind of felt like, you know, if I'm an Indiana fan, uh, you know, once that lead starts to get out to maybe twelve or fourteen, you're kind of really teetering there with man. I, I probably should bring my better players back and roll the dice. So I was a little surprised by that. Although I will say this. Um, that, that strategy, uh, at least through the first five minutes of the second half, looked like a pretty good strategy because Indiana made a really good run there, obviously cut that lead down to nine. Um, but, yeah, I, I was a little surprised that uh, that they did sit on the bench as long as they did in that first half. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Up next for the Boilermakers, they go on the road to Iowa. And, and I don't want to talk about trap games, but obviously last night was a big one for the Boilermakers. A lot of emotion that went into that last night. How does Purdue maintain that high level of play going out to Iowa City? Well, this is one of those games where you hope your seniors and your upperclassmen uh, kind of set the tone for the preparation this week because you are right. This will be a difficult game just because of, where it is on the schedule following Indiana, um, you know, and I would also remind folks that when Iowa played at Purdue back in early December, that wasn't much of a game. I mean, Purdue, was, I think Purdue was up 21 points at halftime, ended up winning by, I don't know, 20 or 19, something like that. It really wasn't even a competitive game. Mm-hmm. So if there ever was a trap game, it would be this one. Not only have you already beaten these guys quite easily, but now you're coming off the big emotional win against Indiana. Um, so again, you lean on your upperclassmen to make sure that uh, everyone stays uh, stays in line and focused on the task at hand. I think one thing that will help Purdue here with this little stretch is Purdue's now doing is playing three or four games on the road. They knew this was coming, uh, this little stretch of three or four on the road. So I, I would like to think that uh, mentally they're already prepared, knowing that this is going to be a tough stretch, uh, and they can they can keep that mental toughness, if you will, going into Iowa City. But look, make no mistake about it. Iowa's can can score the ball. They've they've never had a problem scoring a basketball. Um, so if you get in a track meet with these guys in Iowa City, uh, it, it could certainly be a long day for Purdue. So uh, again, trap game, sure. I think there's that that possibility. But uh, you, again, we have a veteran ball club like Purdue does. Uh, you hope those veterans can can set the tone and, and and make sure everyone's focused on the task at hand. Well, Iowa, just to back up your point, three wins in a row heading into this game against Purdue, and all three, they scored 86-plus in beating Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So, yeah, it uh, 
It, it's never easy in the Big Ten, especially when you have to go away from home. And uh, I'm sure the boilers, Boilermakers will get the best that Iowa can give them coming up on Saturday afternoon. We look forward to that one, uh, Rob. We'll have uh, coverage, special programming note, that you'll be on WoWo 92.3 FM coming up this Saturday. Uh, Purdue at Iowa on WoWo 92.3 FM, pregame one, tip at two. Look forward to that. Always appreciate you jumping on with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, I enjoyed it, Brett. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That is Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers, joining us here on the Sports Rush. Uh, Purdue gets the big win. But, yeah, you look at Iowa, and they've got to be as confident as they've been this year uh, after starting an 0-3 record in the Big Ten, they've now won three in a row. And maybe it isn't the highest level of competition, a Rutgers team that struggled a bit, a Nebraska team that's not been near as good on the road as they've been at home. Uh, but they, they clobbered them by 18 points in Iowa City. And then uh, most recently on Monday night, they went into Minneapolis and beat Minnesota 86-77. to So Iowa on a three-game winning streak as they welcome the Purdue Boilermakers. And, of course, uh, we all know that Purdue carries a big target on their back. And even though they're not number one, they're still number two. And they're still the team to beat in the Big Ten. We'll take uh, a timeout. Uh, we've got plenty coming up in hour number two, including a conversation with Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. We'll have to talk about this big trade with Pascal Siakam being traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers. And that uh, deal is official. It was completed this afternoon. And the uh, what the Pacers gave up, we'll tell you all the details coming up here on the Sports Rush. Hour number two comes up next on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.